And we're on the air in five, four, three, two, one. Pencil. We are beginning to be able, cautiously and with our eyes open, to encourage some interchange of ideas. We have to start thinking about tomorrow. I've heard that somewhere. So, uh, hey, this is Here You Are, Wasa, the podcast. I'm here with my friend Keith. And in an effort to uh, make the podcast a little bit easier to consume, Keith, if you could be so kind as to tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself. I'm Keith Ulig. I'm a reporter for the Wausau Daily Herald. I live in Wausau, have have, have lived here since 2000. I grew up in Colby, which is not too far from here. And um, yeah, I've been a newspaper reporter all my uh, all my professional career. So, um, as as you know, I I am a writer, and I'm struggling with being a writer. Like, I'm really sort of intensely struggling. So I'm talking to my writer friends about mm-hmm. writing, and mm-hmm. so um, I'm not going to be able to help you. Okay, well that's fine. Then then we can <laughs> always just talk about baseball. If that's all right. Okay. Um, so even worse, right? So how, so the, the thing that I, I've asked the two people so far that, uh, have done this with me is sort of, when is the first time you sort of remember writing something that you enjoyed? So, yeah, you, you sent me the, uh, the, uh, topics of conversation and I was thinking about that. Uh, I don't know that I've ever enjoyed anything I've ever written but I think so I was like I was talking with my wife Chris about this too I think it actually was this thing that I wrote in first grade and it was like a poem it was almost like a Dr. Seuss type thing yeah and it was about an animal now I cannot remember these the details but it was an animal that was driving a truck or some other kind of vehicle and he ground his gears and he it, it was some sort of turn of phrase about gear grinding and you know some sort of gas thing and I because I can't quite remember the details of it I just remember I just have a general impression of Seeing this on a piece of paper much later and going, oh, wow, that was pretty good. And that probably was the one and only piece of writing that I've ever really liked. Okay, so this, you are absolutely the fascinating piece of this so far. (laughs) Because you have spent your adult, you have spent your career as a writer. Yes. And it's my understanding you don't like writing. No, no, I hate. I I don't like writing. No, it's not fun. Okay, so then, with the obvious question, now we're off the page here a little bit. Um, <laughs> so seriously, why the hell are you a writer? Uh, yeah, you know that was a, a question I was asking myself. I mean, I sort of fell into it, like almost everything in my whole life is that um, I've just sort of buffeted by outside forces and then I always take the easiest route out 
And for some godforsaken reason, I took a class my senior year in high school, yeah. a, a journalism class. Okay. And it was a year-long class, and it it was atrocious. The writing was okay. I was okay with the writing, but it was like you had to figure out, like, point size and pica size do you even know what i'm talking yes, about yes i do i'm old i yes. most people yeah mo, you know you had to figure out you had to use math in order yes. to figure out headlines yes i remember I, I that heard that yes i quit the class i i uh i left it at the halftime you know yeah. at, after the first semester and i go because i'm never going to use this right i said um i was going to become a fiad teacher and a coach Okay. And then I went to uh, the University of Wisconsin at La Crosse, and I found out that I didn't really want to be a um, a um, coach or a FIAD teacher. Okay. <laughs> get, get this, Dino. I thought it wasn't going to be paying me enough money. There you um, go. Okay. Having... Go ahead. No, no, that's awesome. <laughs> So, uh, so I'm, uh, uh, and I had to get out of lacrosse. Uh, it was not a good environment for me. I was going down roads that I didn't want to go down. And I, I knew that I had a friend who would be a good influence on me. He was studying like crazy at Stevens Point. And I just was looking at the book, uh, at UW Stevens Point and I'm going, you know, a book of majors and I go, well, what am I going to even major in? And, uh, I, I came across communications so what happened was in between the time where I was looking for a major and when I quit the class, I actually won an award for my writing. And um, so when I was looking through the majors, there was a communications major, not a journalism, but communications. And I didn't know. I just thought, hmm, I won, the, I won this award. I, you know, I like the idea of writing. And so I took some courses in both uh, advertising and journalism at UW-Stevens Point after I transferred there with a communications major. And I just super loved the feature writing course. I didn't like the writing, but I liked all the other things about it. I liked interviewing people and I liked talking about writing and thinking about writing. And the teacher there was uh, pretty supportive, you know, he... he you know, I, I remember going up to him after the first class and I go, I don't even know if I can write. I was a FIAD major in lacrosse. And he goes, do you read? And I go, yeah, I read all the time. And he goes, oh, you'll be fine. And so that was kind of it, you know. And then the advertising course, which I thought would be real creative, you know, drawing on whiteboards and all that, turned out to be a lot of uh, what we call now metrics, you know, and statistics. And I hated that. So, uh, yeah, I just... Go okay. I guess it's journalism then, and then that's that's about it. It wasn't really a thought out thing. Is is this going to be a good future? Is there going to are you going to enjoy your work? And the thing is, I really like the work. It's the writing that's really hard. Okay, so what? Uh, yeah, then uh, yeah. Okay, um, so how much? Now yeah. Okay, so I'm thoroughly confused. So how much of your job on a daily basis, but over the course of your career, not in modern digital journalism or whatever the shit this is, um, right. over over the, the long stretch of your career, 
how much is writing and how much is not writing percentage wise? I think I, I, think I would call, I would think it would be about half and half. Okay. You know, so it's a lot of it is, you know, sort of like looking for stories, talking to people about the stories and then, you know, interviewing them and the interviewing stuff. That's, that's fantastic. And I, I shouldn't say, you know, the writing, it's really hard. And just, I shouldn't say I, I don't like it. It's really hard and it's really frustrating. And one of the more frustrating things about it isn't because it's hard. That's, I'm fine with that. I, I don't mind doing things that are hard for me. It's that I never know when I'm done. And, you know, I think we'll get into, you know, how do you know whether it's good or not? Right. I, I just don't know. I got to go with my, my gut. And then I've kind of got to say, okay, it's a deadline. I've got to, um, I got to send this off. It's done. <laughs> you know, whereas I, I'd be tinkering if I could. So, okay. So this is, this is awesome because this is, yeah, I, I assume you're going to be the outlier here. Um, yeah. Maybe I will. So, so you weren't, you know, like I, it, so far in this, I've, I've told everybody kind of the story of, you know, why I, I wanted to be a writer and it was, you know, it was sixth grade and it was reading the book Harriet the Spy and that was it. I was set ever since. And, uh, mm -hmm. but that, that is not the case with you. No, you know, I should tell, you know, I thought, I also thought that I might want to write novels, and that was an influence of um, the book uh, A World According to Garp. Okay. And and the main character in that uh, in that book is a, uh, a a long distance runner, a goofy father, a loving father, and he is a writer. And I thought that's what I want to be. He was able to you know take care of his kids, and he is able to. Uh, go for long runs and he still could earn a living. He didn't have to, he didn't have a boss, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I always thought, Oh, well, how am I going to learn how to be a writer and how am I going to learn about enough about life to, you know, to write about it. And that's where journalism, I kind of landed on journalism in that way too. So in that way I was kind of, you know, kind of aiming for that. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I don't think I really understood what it meant to be a writer at that point. Uh, even maybe I don't even know now, you know, but it's like, I didn't realize just how hard it would be. <laughs> so, yeah. So then what do you, th okay. You open that door. So what do you think it means to be a writer now? For me or yeah. to be, no, no, for you. For me. Well, I think, um, so it's really struggling with, um, kind of being at end of career um, wondering what there is left for me to accomplish, what sort of is my mission in terms of the, the type of writing and reporting that I do for the newspaper. So maybe, I, I guess we should talk, uh, you know, I'm primarily a feature writer, um, so I don't do very much hard news unless I have to be pulled into it, kicking and screaming. I abhor political writing, um, and, and that seems to be where really the stress of the industry is in. And I think we're like, when I was growing up, there'd be humor columnists, right? And that's what I wanted to do. And I was doing that for a while and that was okay. Um, except people didn't really like to 
apparently read it, but it was fun to do, you know, and, but I'm just thinking like Dave Barry, um, he's one of my favorites, Art Bookwald, sure. all these old type guys that these people just do not exist. So I'm sort of hanging on, I'm doing these feature stories, but it, this is more my feeling is that um, often within the industry, features are not valued very highly. I think that's a big mistake. I think we have to, part of, part of what journalism is about is telling the truth. And part of uh, this truth telling is sort of reflecting the community in which you live or the world in which you live. And uh, we're not all politicians and we're not all, uh, we're, you know, it's not all crime. In fact, crime is very little, but that's where a lot of our journalism research is. But in, in real life, crime is not a major factor in most people's lives. Um, you know, social problems, that's, that's all true. But I think we also got to look at just ordinary people trying to figure out how to best live their lives. And that's where I'm aiming for with my stories now. And that's where I'm, you know, focusing most of my efforts and also just trying, well, you know, we're in the midst of the COVID pandemic. I'm trying to uh, just give people something different to think about, something different to read about than pandemic, politics, or crime. Something, some hope, maybe. See, I, so listening to you talk about it, I've, I've decided that you're, yeah, so I think you really like writing. <laughs> you know, I, I guess, you know, it's so challenging because I, you know, I come from a farm background. My dad was a trucker, you know, a trucker. You know, when you've done the job well, yeah. you delivered the thing, right? And he never got in a crash. That's that's a great, he did a great body of work. Whereas mom just going, I just don't know. And then it's really hard. I think one of the things about the writing process is that you know, like for every story, I just know so much more about the source or the story than what I can write about. And I'm constantly struggling about uh, what to leave out. And that it, it's just agonizing. And then it's then I'm full of insecurity. So, you know, is this any good? Is this the best it could be? That's every I want every story to be the best that it can be. But, you know, that cliche, you know, don't sacrifice the good for the perfect and that's i constantly have that struggle with every story that i do yeah okay because this this is fascinating because you know you i'm gonna guess that one you really like collecting the story bringing it to you yeah. and mm -hmm. then you you really like bringing it to someone else Yes, and I like to also do it in a way that nobody else can do it, right? That, right. Look, look at an issue uh, with a, a, a warped perspective or a different angle or whatever, and then I'm going, I'm the only one in the world that could have written this story this way. Yes, and see, I, I yeah. really like that. Yeah, see, I, I struggle is, with that too. Yeah, you know, a lot of journalism is formulaic, yeah. you know? Um and and I'm going. Sometimes it's just like, oh my God, I could do this. I've written this story a hundred times, yeah. just with different names. 
so I always look for ways to make it different. Yeah, right. You you can't ever write, you know, in a in a daily newspaper in iambic pentameter. You no. know, you you no. just sort of there there is x amount of column inches and you get x amount of words and that's that's the way it goes. I mean, digital is a little different, but still at the same time, you it's know, I'm cheating. sure I'm sure at some point there's someone somewhere who has a statistic that says how much a reader can will listen to or, or, or read, you know, before they, you know, click off and don't buy your ads or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, go ahead. You know, Dino, that's really interesting. I think that's a really common misperception, a, a common misconception. And frankly, it was a misconception that's within the industry is that people aren't going to read long stories. No. I, that's, but they that, do. Right. We found out that they do if they're good and if they're done well and if they compel people to keep reading, they do. So actually, I can write longer now more in my career than I ever have been right. able to do before. Yeah. See, that's so that's the, the benefit of digital. But like when you mm-hmm. just had paper, you know, then they you never were, did it. Yeah. Yeah. You were really limited, you know, by just physical space. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I mean, all those years writing for, like you were saying, it's the same story with different names. All those years writing about music for the city pages, just, it was literally the same story with different names. I mean, yes, it was God awful sometimes, you know, and, yes. and I ended up, you know, dis and I ended up disliking music to it. No, no, I ended up disliking talking or writing about music because the people I was talking and writing about music for didn't nearly take it as seriously as I did. Yep. And I was like, look, man, you are, you know, like you are a guitar player and you are doing some really cool stuff and you are pouring your heart out. Please just take it seriously when you talk to me. And so many times they would just minimize their own thing you know they're all you know i just i'm just having fun up there being with my buddies and i'm like well fuck man i don't need to write a story about some dude who's just having fun with his buddies you know like i i can relate to that you know there are a lot of uh, you know if i'm doing a story sometimes i'll do stories about sports because i like running yeah silent sports always I, i don't usually i'll never do a story about team sports unless it's really uh really different you know um but uh yeah and so i i sometimes they just can't explain it you know and then then it gets really challenging you know but like yeah if you have that source it's all about the sources i think you know i I, i've come to the conclusion that it's a partnership that a story these stories really aren't mine even though i'm writing them although i do take ownership of that but it's also it's their story too and so unlike most reporters i will really work with a source you know what did you mean by this and i'll read to read uh the stories back to them to make sure that i understood what they were thinking when they were talking you know that kind of stuff right um but then i you know i also I also explained to them, this is, this gets trippy, tricky here, you know, because it's like, I still have control of the story, you right. know, and I explained that to them too. Yeah. So 
um just because I know a little bit here, so are you do do you do any writing outside of your job? I do now, thanks to you, Dino. And, and what uh, what you're referencing is the Daily Journal, and that's a, I. I th- you've probably been the most influential in my writing in this, these recent times, COVID times, let's call it, than anybody else. And the thing that you said to me was that you just have to move the pen across the paper. Yeah. That's that's something I have repeat to myself so many times, not in just that daily journal writing, which is I'm kind of disappointed with it. I'm just it's just basically a, a um, an explanation of what I've done in the day or goals that I want to do in the next day or, you know, in the coming and I, I would like it to be more kind of story oriented, but that takes time and I just don't feel like taking the time at this point, but I'm still moving the pen across the paper, but I'll also use that concept in the stories that I'm doing for the paper too. You know, it's just like, oh, you just got to get this out. You know, you got to move with this and it's, it's become super hard for me. I'm in my basement where I'm at right now. It's a you know, decent office, nice atmosphere, books around me. But it's like, man, is it quiet and isolating, except for the dog. But it's like, I really do miss the uh, newsroom where there was this constant hubbub, even though it distracted me, it sort of pushed me too, because everybody was sort of working towards that same goal, really inspired me. And, And I'm hoping we get back to that. Although, when I first started, there were a dozen new people working in the newsroom. And then when we shut down, there were three. So that's a little different, too. But it's still, you, you have three people there trying to do the same thing. Yeah, right. So then, you know, talking about the journal writing, you know, I think that, like, we've talked about this extensively. And it, and it is, the, the whole point is you get to make it whatever you want. You get to sort of start when you want and stop when you want. One of the things that Seth talked about was this, and it's something that I actively struggle with, um, is giving yourself permission to do the things that you want. And so that, you know, that means, you know, like with your journal, you can... You can write in Spanish or you can write in gibberish, you know, or you can do, you know, you can just write a series of numbers. I mean, I think there's a book in the Bible that's just a list of names or something, you know, and it's it's this thing where we we just have to give ourselves permission, especially in our our journal work, you know, to just sort of go, I'm. I don't really, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, like I said, move the pen across the paper. And if it's words, it's words. And if it's words and sentences, that's great. If it's not, then, hey, tomorrow's another day. And I have a bunch of pages here and I own a bunch of pens, you know. And so <laughs> it's, it, you know, my my journaling is, is obviously different than a lot because I've been doing it for since the last day of sixth grade. And I'll turn 50 on Friday. And so... <laughs> You know, huh? What? Happy birthday! Oh, thank you, man. Um, is is the is is the big five O spurring some of this? Oh my uh, god, bro! It's terrible. It's <laughs> it's real. That shit they talk about is real, 
and yeah it's it's all real you know like to to have to have the turn 50 at the end of the the trump administration while we're in the middle of covid and we're yeah it's all real you know the amount of nonsense i've looked up on the internet in the, during this year as you know mm-hmm. is absolutely mind-boggling some of the holes that i have gone down on the internet um mm-hmm. i used to think like we were just talking about microphones before we started and i used to think that back like when i would like i have a uh, a rather large assortment of audio equipment and i i always thought okay that's the weirdest rabbit hole i'm gonna go down oh not no uh uh-uh no no i know like i have spent full days on the internet in the pandemic uh specifically specifically learning about um black wing pencils or parker jotter refills over history and it's just like and you come out of that hole and you're like what did i just do for two hours you know (laughs) Now I know, like, I understand the reason, like, I understand the reason for the square eraser on the black wing pencil. And yeah, it's, it's all having all this information at our fingertips is, is weird during COVID and weird when you're turning 50 and all of it's weird. Just it's, this is a, I am as off center this year as I've ever been. And it's fascinating to passively move through it, you know? So yeah, um, so but back back to the writing because I'm so I I while listening to you talk about it, I'm sure that writing is something that you don't like to do, but I I, I want to get just for me, I want to get a baseline here. Do you like running? Yes. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I do, and but it also is some you know there there are parallels. Because running right. is hard, but at a certain, you know, a- after you reach a certain point of fitness, and I'm I'm actually not there yet, but it's like it gets easier. I've never experienced that really with writing. It's always hard, um, or it always has been. Sometimes there's a, a psychological concept called flow. Yeah. Um, some I, I get in the flow running a lot. I don't get into the flow writing very much. And that's one of the things that I've really been uh, wrestling with lately is because why not? You know, why? And I think it's because there needs to be a certain level of relaxation. And um, the setting aside of expectations to get into the flow. Yeah. And I can't I can't quite do that with writing because of. Like I said, I think it's all not very good. And when I when I think about that, then I get stressed and then I really have to force it out. Okay, so and uh, yeah, I don't want to give you a pep talk here, but I mean, you know, that's wrong, right? Yeah, I do. Okay, Um, all right. As long as you know, because they would have fired you by now. It's Gannett, for Christ's sake. If you're not, yeah. yeah if they would have cut you loose a while ago. here, I mean, I have been externally. Um, what's the word I'm looking for, Dino? Uh, propped up, uh, just rewarded, incentivized, yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I still have a job. That that yeah. says something 
that's that's almost amazing to me in itself is that oh i must be doing something right right and then with the current you know the use of metrics my stories get read. They get read for a long time. I know this, you know, but it's still, I guess it's because you have sort of an, you set up an expectation that this story is going to be this. Um, one of my old editors, a person you know, Rob Menser, he used to talk about it's the platonic ideal and you can, you rarely reach a platonic idea, ideal. Rarely does a story exceed my expectations. Sometimes it does, but really, really rarely. And when, and so I'm always trying to reach that, and I just can't do it. And that's where uh, the insecurity and uh, everything else comes in. Do you like the reaching? Um, good question. Yeah, yeah. I I think I do. Um, it's just that it, I also take the attitude that every story it's, has its own life and nothing that I've done before matters except for this particular story. So that right. puts a lot of pressure on it. Um, and when I can't reach it with that story, I go, oh, my God, I'm washed up. I can't do this anymore. You know, I kind of worry that way, too. Yeah. It's and crazy. then so when, when you have that that thought. What is it you do to, to break that negative thought? Hmm. Probably something unhealthy. Drink coffee, eat something bad, go on the internet. But until, at some, until, but you also just until simply... external pressures create this uh, the, the stress so much that you have to finish it, I guess. Wow, you are a some messed up is... guy. I'm being I'm being facetious on some of this. You know, some of it is just like I don't do this with every story. Right. But I do maybe to a certain extent, but maybe I'm exaggerating the the concentration of of neurosis with each yeah. story. But it's it's it, like it's really interesting to sort of cuz I think as a reader of yours your stories read remarkably effortlessly like that is that is a characteristic of a keith story and they all read like you're just flowing through the story that's funny and and yeah i'm I'm sure it is now that i've heard this stuff but yeah that's funny it it just it really just like it, I mean, it doesn't read like it's easy or anything. Like, it doesn't read like your dog, right? Yeah. You know, like, the way your dog runs is, you know, as natural and as boundless as as anything. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it reads like... I mean, it, it reads like it's some, something from a guy who's been writing professionally for 20 years and... Even if he says he doesn't, he's he's flowing through this. You know, you're thirty. Thirty years. Jesus. Okay. Well. And yeah, yeah. I'm older than you. Okay. And that and and the other the well the other thing is I think maybe uh I don't I wish it you know, that's I wish it was like my dog running through the park, but it's really more refined. You know, it, it, there's a refinement to it. Right. Uh 
and I don't particularly care for that. But I don't know how to break out of that without making it a mess, you know. So most of my stories, I have an, a clear understanding of how it's going to begin, how it's going to end, and what are the steps I'm going to take to get this thing go through it, right? Right. It's pretty refined. And uh, and that's where maybe that's kind of the trouble is that I just don't. I don't just let it go. You know, it's all kind of planned out and it's, I just do not let it go and just go. So then, so when, when I talk to Greg about this stuff, Greg is, is, uh, he's really just sort of interested in just the individual, like the, the really small pieces. Like he's, you know, he's like, I wrote a killer sentence today, Ah, you know? And so do you ever like, is it ever the smallest things like those that was seven that was seven words I combined really well? No, no, I'm not in journalism. It's too much. I don't have that level. Sometimes. Yeah, but at the, but at the same time, you also in your head, you you talked about striving for something unique, being the the one guy yeah. who can tell a story in a unique way. In in those cases, it's not more. It's not so much about language. Yeah, it's more about perspective. I think. Yeah. You know, taking a different perspective of a situation, um, looking at something from a different way that other people might not look at it, or even combining two things that ordinarily aren't combined. Yeah, I you know I think it's it's fascinating because. Like so far, like Seth is, I'm just going to say is all about flow. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's Mr. Flow and Greg is really, you know, like he is like, he's a yoga teacher now that he's retired. He's a retired English teacher and he's, is this Greg, man, Greg Ormson. Oh, Greg Ohm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Yeah. He takes a. I've read his stuff, and he does take a, a whole different approach, and it's awesome. Right, and so it's, you know, for Greg, it's just the freedom of of doing that, and I and I'm fascinated. And now it's interesting to sort of, on the other end of literally the other end of the spectrum is journal daily journalism, you know, yep. and yes. And where it's, look, I've got it. I have to do some, I have to convey some ideas today and tell a tale, you know, and, and it leads me to, to this question. So what, what role does your ego have in your writing? Too big of a role. I don't know. I don't know what level, because I really try to, I really try to pull back. You know, um, I wrote a story about John Muir and some of the racist comments that he wrote about. And this was not a story that this was assigned to me Um, because it wouldn't be something that I ordinarily would, uh, you know, grab as a as a something to do. Uh, But uh, uh, editors thought I would be a good person to uh, do this story. And. um, uh people have reacted to this story, this story most positively, but some negatively. 
And uh, in one particular conversation where I was just being lectured by somebody who disagreed with, I guess, calling out John Muir as a racist. Oh, okay. And believe that he wasn't a racist when clearly he was because everybody was. But he, um, he uh, that's when my ego sort of took over and I pushed back, I think, too hard. I should have just said, okay, you know, and just listened. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to trying to actually divorce my ego from this altogether and try and make it about the product. Right. So then, so that leads, so that is a cool little dichotomy thing because mm-hmm. you're, you're writing in public. You're mm-hmm. not, your, your, your name is on something and you're mm-hmm. putting it into the world for them to read it. Mm-hmm. So that is, a, that is an act of ego. Yes. And so, yeah. And remember, I want to do things that only I can do. That's ego too. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, you know, but at the same time, you want to divorce your ego from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, weird. Yeah. It is. It is weird. I don't really get it. I can't, I, I, I can't explain it. And I hate the fact that it's out there. You know, I, I don't know. I don't hate the fact that people are reading it or even dislike it or not like, you know, or yeah. like it, you know, but it's it's just really uncomfortable for me, you know, uh, and I can't explain that very well either. I guess it's just because I'm just sort of I mean, as a as a kid and even as an adult, I'm just super shy. And it's that's a real weird thing to be when your job is to approach strangers and ask them a lot of questions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is. So then. Yeah, it just it keeps coming back to this interesting question in my head is why in God's name do you do this? Well, to be honest right now. Yeah. I don't know what else I would do. I don't. Honestly, I can't think of anything. You know, I'm at, I'm 54, so I can't go work in a factory. Right. Um, I don't, I guess it's just because it's the easiest thing right now. It just takes, and it always was, you know, it just takes so much to, to change. I did, you know, there was a, a year when I left, actually less than a year when I left the field, and I was working for a small government agency. And it wasn't a writing job. It was just more of a... Um, you were killing people for a living, right? No, communications. It okay. was a, It was this little agency called the Minnesota-Wisconsin Boundary Area Commission. Okay. And its purpose was to help uh, cooperation between the two states and sort of help government agencies sort of communicate with one another and the public. And uh, it was really cool. It was... Uh, most of the issues that it, it, it dealt with were uh, the St. Croix and Mississippi rivers. So there was a lot of environmental stuff okay. and was learning a lot. And one of the things that really frustrated me about the job is I wanted to write about what I was learning. And I, and, and I decided, Oh, so this is where, again, it's like a catch 22 or whatever. Uh, what do we call this? Uh, where two things are the opposite, but they're, 
acting at the same time, that's when I go, oh, I really want to write again. And so I, uh, that's when I uh, got the job at the Daily Herald. That was in 2000. It was after only a year. Yeah, it was like nine months with this agency. And I just felt like it wasn't fair to them or fair to me to stick around. And in, and in, in retrospect, I left the agency. And then two or three months later, Jesse Ventura shut it down. That fucking guy. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know. I think about that. I, I don't know because these agencies, they're, they were full of people that were fully capable of talking to each other. Right. But I do think this little, little boundary commission really helped, sort of, communicate things. But uh, I, I won't. You know, he just didn't fund it. He just right. stopped funding it. Yeah. You know and. And that was when I think Scott McCallum was the governor of Wisconsin. Okay. And he was willing to fund it, but and then you know, so it was a conservative, you know, small government person on Wisconsin side too, and he wasn't like ready to fight for it. You know, there's only three people that worked there. Four. Yeah, and and but it's it's funny again. You came back to I want to write about this stuff. Yes. As yeah. as as much as it's. As much as you say you don't want to or say you don't, you know, yeah. that it's hard, it is, there is something inherently calling you to this. I wonder if it is sort of an addiction, you know, that it's just like, I want to get this right. <laughs> and I've spent 30 years, you know, trying and feeling like I'm not quite there yet. You know what I mean? Could it, could it be that it, you think it, you – yeah, because so this ego thing is – is where I think part of this is. So, like, yeah. do you, th so when you sit down, well, no, because you don't, but do you, do you think you have something to say overall? Like, if you were to look back, if you were to look at your career, is there a thematic thing that you're saying? And I think there is, by the way. Um, you? But, you know, is there a thing that you're saying, you know, over, over the sort of glacial, space of your career yeah i think there is actually i've got i i joke around that my secret mission is to just tell tell the good stories yeah and that's really actually that's quite hard um because there's not a lot of drama in good stories yeah but but what you do is you find the 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 kind of people who are um, doing these doing hard things and then either overcoming it or not letting them letting it break them right and that's where you know and then I focus on well how do you do this you know one of the stories that uh, that turned out really nice was a story about this uh, lumberjack named Gary Edinger who works by himself and and a tree fell on his leg and severed his foot off and he drove himself out of the woods of course he did yeah oh man this guy dino is just so amazing and he was like a musher for a while and then he he said he was like world class musher he won everything there was to win and then he just said i couldn't do this anymore cuz there was nothing left for me to do but like being out in the woods and being a logger is his thing. And uh, 
you know, just sort of, he likes doing things the hard way. And I think it turned out so well is because I just really, you know, it really resonated with him. He's older than me. He's like, I think he was six. I can't remember his age, mid sixties. Yeah. Well, are you going to retire Gary? No, I'm not going to retire. What, 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 I'm just going to do this, you know? And, and, uh, his attitude was so cool, you know, but yet he had to overcome a life, this life threatening situation. And, uh, and he tell he the way he tells it he goes basically everything I've done up to this point w- was preparation for this, and he said like a dog will run until it collapses and he he figured he goes he was out in the woods you know he's bleeding to death and he figured I might as well try you know and he just did it you know. So that's maybe that's, you know, that story turned out really well, I think, because I just related to it. And I guess that's where I'm at with writing and career in my career and journalism. Yeah, I yeah. Just because I have to know, did he bring the foot out of the woods with him or did he leave it behind? He brought it with him. Okay, because he thought, you know, he this guy is like. He's amazing. You know, his thought process was not panicky and he thought maybe they could right. you know do something you yeah, know, yeah. with it. Yeah. Oh Jesus. So can you separate your writing that you do for your job from the job and all of the stuff that goes along with it? Yeah, well especially okay. now because like even uh, I'm I'm alone, basically. Yeah. I'm just doing this almost as a freelancer. I mean, there's some direction. My stuff does get edited, you know, but it right. isn't like they're talking to me about the stories. I'm choosing almost all of my own stories. Um, and that's by design because I know if I have a, a list of good stories, I won't have to do some story that I don't want to do. Right. You know? So I always try to have a list. Um, the thing is, though, generally, if I if I keep an open mind too, one of the things Dino is I don't like being told what to do. Yeah, I'm picking and that so up. And yeah. so when somebody, when an editor tells me to do a story, I, I automatically push back. Right. And if I, what I'm trying to do is stop that too. That's an ego thing, you know, and go. And if I just keep an open mind, I, I can figure out a way of doing this story and make it good you know yeah but otherwise you know if i don't have a list of stories then i'm going to be doing a story about some twitter phenomenon you right. know and i yes. just don't want to do that yeah exactly so an interest you know unless there's something interesting there <laughs> okay cool man i yes i i think i'm going to wrap this up now because i like that idea of of bringing it to an end but it's it is super like I think it's really interesting on my on my end as an observer of you guys, you know, Uganet guys for a long time. And I I was a Daily Herald employee a thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. But um just to sort of see how like I can't I can't I remember three distinct times where I was I called you on the phone to ask you if you still had a job. 
Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah, it's... and all three of them were when I was walking around the dog park. Yeah. And it was, oh, and, yeah. and I just thought it has to be so hard to do this work, which is inherently so hard under that sort of pressure, you know, and especially at a very, very, very small newspaper, you know, where it is, it is questionable if you're making a dent, right? Yeah. And so I, I always think that, like, I'm going to do this with Rob as well. And it's uh, because I think it's interesting to sort of to, like with you, you know, you you can you can come up with sort of the witty. I'm just doing it because I'm 54 and I yeah. can't work in a factory. Right. But at the same time, you know, you while you didn't really want to admit it, you really talked quite compellingly about why you tell these stories. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you, you've got a nice sort of, of you got a nice sort of buck and shuffle about, oh, you know, this isn't fun and I don't like this and blah, blah, blah. But when when you sort of got warmed up, you talked about this process of writing in rather glowing terms. Well, the thing is, you know what I think it is, too, is that, you know, when I was reading that book about, uh, you know, the world according to Garp. Sure. He never he just wrote, you know, the, right. you know, and and John Irving, the author, that guy is like a super pro. He writes every day. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the thing is, nobody really tells you how much how hard this is going to be. And I guess I, it's it surprises me. Every day it's going, my God, this is hard. I'm really tired. And I got one more anecdote for you, though. Yeah. You know, this might actually help. This is how I approach it, too. It, it, this is the other way is I I approach this as a real blue collar sort of blue collar way. And for a while, I and for a while I was like tinkering around with woodworking. Yeah, and I was doing some really cool. Like I took this class. This is when I was living in Minnesota. I took this class that uh, used uh, hand tools only, and I was making rabbit joints. You know, pretty fairly sophisticated things. And my grandpa was a carpenter. A wood, you know, he did this for his whole life, and I was. I was talking to him about this class and I was asking him sort of a technical question about matching up these rabbit and dados. I've got the terminology wrong, but matching up, making these woodworking joints. And he just looks at me and he goes, goes, I'm not that kind of carpenter. <laughs> and, and what he meant was that he put, he put together houses, you know, it right. wasn't like, it wasn't refined artistry. It wasn't, it was craftsmanship. I mean, his houses are still there and he could build pieces of furniture, but they're really basic. And so this is how I kind of view journalism is it, it's it's. It's not building it is building houses on a certain level and it's but it also can be like a really simple piece of furniture, but I want it to be really well designed and have balance to it and uh and so that's my approach is whereas like when I think you're talking about Greg Ormson and he's actually doing fine art. Right. You know, he's sculpting. And, yeah. And, and, and I haven't done much of any 
even trying to do the fine art writing. And that's what novel, you know, like novel writing is too, I think, or, you know, just getting into deep, deep writing. And I, I, I don't know if I can do that. I think I'm a good craftsman. Yeah. See, I think, good. yeah. Part of that is, I think your one, I think you're unknowingly full of shit in that. I think that if you, if we were to take your career, I think that there is a tremendous novel in your career. Like, I think there was a long stretch of time or a long stretch of, yeah, time where you were writing, where they were at, where I think you actually were titled like the outdoors writer for Gannett or whatever. You had some sort of title where you were writing a lot of outdoors sorts of pieces. Mm -hmm. And I think if we took, if we collected that work and then asked you to fill it, to write the, if those were the bones and we asked you to write the tissue to connect the bones together, that's a hell of a book. And it's, it's this, like, I, it's, it's fun to be an observer of my friends who are writers Yeah, and, and, you know, like it's the same thing with, with Rob and for, there was, there was a long stretch of time where Rob was, he was distract or he would distract himself with, research stuff like he yes. wanted to learn a lot about lumberjacks or he wanted to learn a lot yes. about the history of tax policy or whatever it was and then when we would talk about that thing it was in the con i think this is when he was an opinion writer and it was yes. in the it always sort of we we would weave the discussion of lumberjacks he would weave it through the the context of his daily work not as a metaphor but simply yeah. as again connective stories to put other stories together and and with the two of you i think that there is like this amazing width of work that all you would need to do is connect the things together and holy shit i think it would be great you know mm-hmm. the other, the other thing that i that you know I think is always fun and, and specifically daily journalists hate this shit. Um, but writing, if, if you could write about the things that made a story, whatever happen or tick your fancy, mm-hmm. I think that that, that always just lights me up because, and I, and it was early on, it was freshman year of college. I had the chance to, uh, Spike Lee came to Milwaukee and came to my winter class Oh at God. UW Milwaukee, and he and he gave us all this a book, and it was the it was the production journal for the book "Do the Right Thing." And that was the movie that had oh just come God. out. And so the thing is, with every movie that Spike does, he puts out a product. He publishes a production journal, and it's his journals, how he makes casting choices, every copy of the script notes from every meeting he has about financing and all of that and it's just this it's this source material that into and of by itself is super compelling without the movie you know but like as a young filmmaker him trying to scramble to find 10 million dollars and to convince danny aiello to be in his movie yeah that's some compelling writing 
You know, yeah. like it is, you know, just meeting over. I met with Danny Aiello again today and I just can't, you know, it's that sort of thing where like that process. And I think that, you know, you guys, I think Gannett in, in a lot of ways, I blame whatever it is, the forces of Gannett that uh, make you guys question the, the awesomeness of what you do. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. <laughs>